Welcome to Hey Hey Agave, and today we are joined by Gabriela Badillo. Hi, Gabby. Hi. And uh, Gabrielle, you're with us as well. Hello. Hello. So guys, um, I'm really excited to have Gabby on the show today. Uh, just to give you a background, she is the creator of Sesenta y Ocho Voces, Sesenta y Ocho Corazones, 68 Voices, 68 Hearts, which is an animated series of Mexican indigenous stories told in their native language. These animated shorts are based on the philosophy that no one can love what they don't know. Um, so we're going to really get into talking about this project um, that Gabby has initiated over the past. How long has it been, Gabby? 2013, 2014? Yeah, 2013. Yeah, wow. we have eight years with the project. Eight years. And I should also mention that you're also the co-founder of Hola Combo, which is a creative studio focusing on animation, brand identity, and storytelling. And I'd like to start with your relationship to language. But I think before we get there, I did want to give our listeners a little background about indigenous language in Mexico specifically. So Mexico is one of the world's most linguistically diverse nations. Mexico encompasses 364 indigenous dialects belonging to 68 distinct languages, which branch off from 11 language families. And I also thought for our New York listeners, it would be fun to know that it's an estimated um, that more than 250,000 of the city's 320,000 Mexican-born population are of indigenous origin, and that one out of three speak an indigenous language. So there's a little bit of reference for our New York listeners um, as well. Well, uh, first I want to... Thank you because of your interest of this project. I'm really grateful with you guys. And uh, another fact also, uh, I know that you are really related to the Zapotec language because of Hey Hey Agave. Um, for example, the Zapotec uh, is one of these 68 uh, languages of Mexico, but it has 100 variants. There are 100 variants of Zapotec. That's our... Uh, a little reference of how big is all this cultural linguistic heritage uh, wisdom we have here. You know? And when you say when you say that, does that mean like the dialect? There's a hundred different dialects within those those language family, the language family of Zapotec. Exactly, but the correct word is language. Okay. We're going to be learning as we go in this podcast. <laughs> no, and I, I really learned also with all this project. I have been learning a lot in these eight years. And I also think eight years ago that the correct word was dialect. But no, all, all of these 364 uh, are languages, you know, are national languages of Mexico. So Gabby. How did you become interested in indigenous language? There were some things that happened eight years ago, for example. And eight years ago, my grandfather passed away. And he has some Mayan ascendants. And the Mayan is a culture here in Mexico, in Yucatan, in the south of the country. And he didn't speak or spoke the language 
correctly and full, but he knew some words, some stories, some jokes. And when he passed away, I really, I realized the importance of all that is that we can lose when we don't know and when we don't value or, or didn't value everything that we have in front of us. And I think it's the same with the cultures and with the languages and with everything that's around us, that when we lose something, um, we are we became aware of what, what that means, you know, of what, what was important and what is really the, the big wisdom that we, we could be uh, could learn if, if we have value in a different way before. So um, also before that, I made my social service. Well, here in college, all we make a social service. So I made my social service in Yucatan also. And there were, uh, was very sad to see all the mothers that they told their kids to don't speak in their indigenous language, don't speak in Maya, because they don't want or they didn't want that they suffer what they have suffered before. So I think that was like our first, um, here in Spanish we said like a cubetada de agua fría of, uh, was the first site of discrimination, you know, in like first, first touch, uh, I think, or that everyone and every everyone knows about how the world is and how is the discrimination. But I think not not every day we see it in front of us. So when I saw these mothers that didn't want that they speak their original languages, really, really was very sad. And then eight years ago, also I found a poem of Miguel Leon Portilla and was a great author, a great Mexican author. He passed away last year. And when I read a poem called When a Tongue Dies, for me, I always said that the dots join, the dots just became joined. And when I read about how when a tongue dies, a universe is closed, a window to a new new world is closed and everything became so clear to me of how through the things i love to make that are telling stories through animation through design through art um, you can tell all these magnificent cultures and languages and talk about everything that we are missing because we don't know about that no so i want to to reach all these uh, incredible cultures and languages, help with a little grain of sand of giving them a voice. Yeah. And well, as I telling you, that's how 68 Voices was created. And 60 Voices seeks to show the richness of these 68 hearts uh, under the premise, as you said before, that no one can love what they don't know, seeking to promote the use of these languages and the respect and pride of being part of one of these communities.
to empower their members and give them a voice and to make them visible in a contemporary and new media. And that think, I think that was uh, really important for me uh, in one hand because of what I made, that I made animation and I in you know, this new media world. And also to share that all these cultures are contemporary, are alive and can be, can, we can spread all this uh, richness through every media and they have all the rights also to do that. It's so interesting. And it, I mean, I have, I have a thousand trillion questions for you, but I think <laughs> I would like to, to start at the beginning where, you know, you, you first had this idea, you, you were touched by your personal experience. Um, I, I hear the story that you just told. How did you formulate the idea of working with those 68 languages and having such a broad scope of a project? Uh, is it like, did it just hit you one day where you were like, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to structure it. Or was it more of an evolution? It was an evolution because um, I used to work in a Mexican channel here in Mexico in the animation area, design animation area. And then when I started to think about all this, um, how to how to spread all these cultures, all this knowledge, and I look for a grant here. And so in the project I, I started to make for this grant, I only was projecting to make seven seven stories, um, and then when I I was selected and I made these seven stories and the interest I I started to see the the interest of the people and and the institutions, and then when there was when I started to scope that the project can grow and can can give voice to all the 68 hertz, not only seven of them that I think in that moment it could be representative, but uh, now our goal is to give voice to these 68 voices. Gabi, when you, when you say organization that support you will, you, will you do a little bit of a listing of, of who were they? Just, just think, I, I think it's a very important thing to, to have in documents of people that are thinking about doing projects just to have an idea of where to look, how to look, who are they? Um, I think you, when in the pre-interview, we were talking about a few different things. So if you want to go for that. Yeah, sure. Um, the project, as you said, is produced here in Ola Combo, but the institutions that made them possible are the National Fund for Cultural, for, for Cultural and Arts. That's the one who gave me the first grant Funka. for this. Exactly, the Fonca here in, in Mexico. Uh, then Canal 11 or Channel 11, that it's a cultural and uh, educational channel here in Mexico. He has, this, this channel has been our uh, principal sponsor of the project. And, and this one is, the Channel 11 is, is uh, part of the Politecnico uh, University, right? Exactly, yes, exactly. 
and also uh, the National Institute of Indigenous Languages, or INALI, has been also our, it's a great sponsor, but also a great partner, but because thank you to the INALI, we have been able to reach the communities. Um, they have been uh, an incredible partner to open uh, open the doors for us in the communities that they have been working before. And so we can be able, or we have been able to, to work with all these incredible people that already are making things and a, a lot of things for, for their culture, for their languages. It's such a, it's such an amazing project to think about uh, as far as like the scope of the project goes, because uh, it takes so many different hands, so many different people involved to create what we see on our screen. And it's the cultural institutions, like you were saying. And I think that uh, when we were talking earlier, you had mentioned how many friends and colleagues helped to produce those first initial set yes. of seven and how important it was to have those out into the world so you could show the larger institutions and you could drum up interest, right? And so I, I think just a, a shout out to every single person that has been working on this. It's It's an incredible artistic endeavor. Um, and I think that I'd like to go into the animated stories themselves and ask a couple specific questions. But I just want to mention to people, we're going to have links and we're going to have the video, some of the videos posted directly onto the Hey Hey Agape website. But for this podcast, I think that we're going to channel in a little bit of the audio as well, just so you can hear the languages themselves. But a lot of these stories, um, Gabby, it's interesting because they're they're creation stories. You know, they're stories about like how the earth was made, how people came to be, how the oceans, the rivers, the mountains were formed. Um, a lot of them show people's relationships with nature. Animals play a big role. Um, they act as protectors, witches, good and evil. And, you know, these these parables about how to have a good life parables about death, about more morality. Um, how, how's the story, how are the stories chosen? Uh, it could be also an uh, evolution in there um, because all the seven first stories I made um, was, uh, was more like an investigation project for me. And so I started to look for stories in libraries and in collaboration with Dinali, contemporary authors. I was I reached to them like Miguel and Portilla or uh, Andres Anestrosa that his story passed away also, but well I reached her, his daughter, Emmanuel Espinosa Sainos, Isaac Saúl Carrillo Can, Hermene Gilda Lopez. There are a lot of contemporary authors I I was able to to talk with and I I'm really grateful with them because they they learn uh, learn her her material her her their su obra How do you say yeah. their work their work so we can use it here in 68 voices and then when the work, uh, when the um, when this project grew, 
we started to work more with the communities. And I, I love that. I love all of the first step we made because I was able to, to reach these contemporary authors. And I say it's a statement for me that is our contemporary cultures and that are not, not deaf cultures only in a museum. Uh, but when the project started to evolve, uh, we, and thank you to the Inali, we were, we were able to, to work with the communities. And I love a lot that because now all this, all the stories became from the communities and they are, are the ones who choose which story they want to tell and which story represents them. Or maybe they, they, in some cases, they give us two stories. And in that, in that case, we choose which one is going to be better in an animation. But the, the right of, of deciding what, what story is going to represent them is from them. So I, I love that. There's, so, there's, that's so incredible. There's such a, uh, you know, for the last couple of minutes that we have been talking, there is this, this feeling of things that they're materializing in front of you. You know, I grew up in Mexico City. Uh, I was very lucky to be able to travel north and south in Mexico. And everything that I was, I was a very, uh, my imagination was always running wild when, when I was, you know, in Puebla, in, in Michoacán, in Nayarit, in Sinaloa, in places that we were fairly often uh, and, and listening to the languages. And I was like, why this is so invisible? Why, why this is so not part of my life when, when it's there? You know, it's like, it's not that they don't exist. They, they actually probably are more of them than us, meaning bilingual in their own uh, native tongues and languages. And and even just the, the you know it, it came natural for me to say tongue, because that's what we were trained to say. This is yes. what they told us that they were when they're like complicated, intricated languages that are very much alive in our country. So all of these uh, these shorts that you've made so far, and I believe there are twenty seven of them. Is that right? And uh, we have already forty one. Um... We have left oh, okay. 27 to produce. You have left 27 to produce. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And and they all span anywhere from like, uh, what would you say, like a minute to two, two minutes, two and a half minute mark, something like that? There are more like one minute each one. About one minute each one. And what I find just so incredible is how you've managed to marry the illustration style with the story. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, how those choices are made and, and who or, or how you decide who's going to be um, doing the illustration aspect of it? Sure. Uh, for me, the art, it's also very important. I, I study graphic design, so I really think about the design as a, a big media to to spread also uh, uh, a message. So, uh, I think that how, how it looks, it's really important as how it sounds. And um, because how it looks also, it's a, 
big media of communication. And for me, also, the it's very important that the art and the animation is it not only it not only have to look great, it, it only have to communicate everything. No, so it had to be link with the story and with the community and with the culture that it's representing and also for for me this art is also a statement as as, as uh, i said before that these are alive cultures and that's why we are making a contemporary reinterpretation of these communities of these cultures and we are working with mexican illustrators for all these stories uh, there are a whole of new Mexican illustrators here. It's a, like a great movement here. Um, uh, I started to make these bonds or to, to make, um, how do you say, make pares? You, like, will make, you will make some kind of couples in between exactly. illustrators and... Exactly. And... For example, I'm the creative director and art director of the story. So uh, what I look in the illustrators are the mood of the illustrator, but also, well, I think that the mood is com is the most important. Uh, it's just, I think a great example is, for example, is the Misteco story, for example. The illustrator is Luis Safa. And Luis Alpha has a really dark side. And as the story was about the death, so it was great for me how, how it matched. So I, I always look how the, how the mood of the illustrator and how they are able to express themselves or express in, the, in their art, how, how, can it be, how can it make a match with the story and with the culture. Chaco tura yatra inga tiempo. Uni tura tracha yanira. Nyachi tura trañacha achi nibi nuñu nuñibi ya. Tanya kuchacha nichini. Ayora kuracha nichini tañiti. The Mixteco story was one of the seven of the first seven stories I, I made. I have the opportunity to know in that moment, the author of the book, I, the story is written. And, well, this story is of the community, but Hermenegildo Lopez uh, was the one who, how you say, he, he put them in the book, no? For, and, he utilized the story and put it in the book. Yes, exactly. And, well, put them in a new format. Uh, he's from Pinotepa Nacional and was... Uh, well, Roman Hillus is a great person. He's Misteco and was one of the first uh, persons I, I really met for this project. And I really was able to know him more. He, he's a, how you say, a doctorado. He has a PhD. A PhD. And he's always continue learning more. So knowing him and knowing more of the community, something that they he told me, and I I I already remember is that in the Mixteco communities, 
it can be like 10 or 50 men and one woman and one wo one woman but they talk in in femenino i don't know how you say that in in mexico for example if there are a, a bunch of kids or niños y niñas no or well now before the, 10 years before we used to set niños to a group of kid, boys and girls we used to say that in a the gender specific in so, a gender specific so no and in in that mistake community it can be a group of men and a woman for example but then they they talk to the group in a feminine gender or instead of a masculine gender that it was the use they use here in mexico that's no. pretty interesting so instead of a group of people that they will say ellos they will refer to them as ellas. Ellas, exactly. That's no. pretty amazing. Yeah, just yes. and they're uh, really important to the to the figure figure of the woman there. No? That's so pertinent to the conversations going on today, right? About exactly <laughs> how we utilize gender, especially in languages like Spanish. You know, where Gabby, nouns are Gabby was saying also brings and and it's pretty fascinating, like you know, the, the learning capability that a project like this will offer by just shining a tiny bit of light on the possibility of learn from these things that you didn't know exist. Like you're materializing something from thin air that has always been there and it's, 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 really, it's pretty cool. You know, it's like, uh, and, and, and I know that you, you see this, like we, we lived in Mexico City. I lived in Mexico City. You're still there. And you go to downtown Mexico, to the centro, and you walk around, and here and there is very obvious the the rhythm, and that's and you don't you don't catch that it's another language. It's just part of the normal noise of chatter in the city. But you know that the rhythm and the and the inflection of the language is different, and it's not French, and it's not Italian. It is from home, and somehow our ears are also tuned into recognizing that as part of the normal uh noise of the urban or the urban downtown city you know like it's, it's pretty amazing I, I think you you will agree with me that we might not know what they're saying but it's part of our culture to understand like it's, it's, it's very much in tune with our rhythms mm -hmm. of what you're listening exactly but also it's very important that uh it's a big discrimination here in Mexico yes. to all these communities and uh, now that you're talking about the downtown here in Mexico you can see uh, all these people from the surrounds of the of the city and then they came here to work um, and there are people with a lot of needs but also, you can see how how they are invisible for for a lot of the people that walk around them. No, it's it's frustrating how how discrimin how it's the discrimination here in Mexico. You were you were talking about you know the the understanding of of you were talking about how discrimination was working, and and I didn't want to interrupt at the beginning of the the, the talk that you were having. And the invisibility, like the eternal invisibility of the Mexican culture 
on the indigenous heritage has been forever. Like we grew up knowing nothing until like, you know, it it, kind of clicks in your brain. You say something and then all the dots align. And, and, And I think we all have this aha moment as a Mexican kid that you're growing up and then it's like, what is that? And your mom can't explain, your dad can't explain, nobody can explain because they don't know either. They grew up knowing nothing about them other than they speak different. But why? And and there was not even in school, like, you know, when Sabrina was doing the research of the 68 voices and and, and just going a little deeper to, to, to know more about your project, like, I just learned a bunch of things. Just, and, and you know, I'm a 40, uh, 40-year-old man in New York with Mexican, you know, the family and, and descent. And this is brand new information for me. And, you know, if this can be for me right now, I, I think we are in the right path to do something like this with you, uh, just to give it more, uh, amplify the the voice that you're trying to create with this project. It's pretty amazing. Thank you so much, Gabby. Thank you. I just wanted to say, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, too, that it's a good time to talk about the importance of the sound. Uh, we've been talking now about, uh, Gabrielle, you were just saying, like, your recollection of what it's like to be in the middle of the centro and, and hear all of these languages and all of these sounds. And, you know, I'm thinking right away of before COVID, what it used to be like in rush hour in midtown Manhattan on the subway station, you know, and your platform, and you're listening to all of these different languages around you as well, of course, you know, uh, all different languages, like from all over the world globally. Um, And that auditory sensation that we have that happens like, you know, in a split second of like, whether you recognize what the language is, or you just know it's something different, or your ears perk up to hear it. It's this it's the sensation that you have that becomes like a full body sensation. And I feel like these, um, these animated shorts, they do just that as well. I was really drawn to not only the language that was being spoken by the indigenous speaker, but I was also drawn to how you guys choose you know, all of the found sounds that you sync together with the music, which is often like a beat of a drum or a guitar or, you know, some musical instrument. I mean, it, the, the composition of the sound aspect of these shorts is, is absolutely breathtaking. So I would just love to hear how that comes together. We brief the, the person that make our sound design uh, he has been with the project since the beginning, so he's really empapado, um, I don't know how to say it, but he's really in the project since the beginning. So in each story, we've made a, a brief of, of how we wanted to to go or how we wanted to, to sound. So uh, it's a collaborative work. All, all stories, each story is a collaborative work between the community and Ola Combo with the direction and the animation and the art, but all these illustrators and the musician, the sound designer, and first of all, the speakers and the, that they also made the translation, you no, know, or the... Yes, the translation for the subtitles are, are the... Well, the spe- you have the speaker, the translator. Exactly. So. 
we have and, the and so oh. there's just just right there you you have a whole of a work to find the right people to do the just not doing the narration of anything is complicated and then doing the narration in another language that there's not that many people around to be able to do it that's a whole other complication and then have the right information being translated from that language to Spanish or English or French. How many how many translations do you do? Because we were looking on the videos and there's a full options of like the captions being able to do the different reading. Yeah, we have uh, not all of the stories are translated to to a lot of languages, but uh, most of them are in. Uh, well, Spanish, of course, English. Everyone are in Spanish and English. And some of them are also in French, Ukrainian, Russian, Chinese, or Japanese, one of them, and Portuguese and Italian. And all, all these translations are, are, have been because of incredible people that can reach us that wanted to work with and want to support the project and want to spread also this this shirt so they donate their time and their effort to give give us these these translations i'm kind of curious now that the project has uh, been ongoing for for so many years do you have people approaching you like uh you know either illustrators or i don't know just people involved in in film video animation that are like i want to be part of this project yes yes a lot of people have approached us and to be part of but uh, the first thing that we have to resolve always it's the the money <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh how how to how to make that possible no how to pay everyone that it's involved so um, for the translations for example it has been it's it's a little simple because as you said a lot of people uh, around the world has reached us and they can say i want to translate all the stories or i want to translate some of the stories and there are they there they are but with a story and with a short film it's a little complicated because of the process no it's not we have more or less three months of work for each story and maybe a little more because mm. we have to go to community and let's, pa let's pause let's pause for a second because i want to just let our listeners absorb that for one minute of video produced video content it takes minimum three months more or less okay. or a little more um uh, because all the process we have is that we go to the community and we learn that their which story they want to talk about we make with them the translation well the adaptation of the story in one minute then the translation the voiceover of the project and we make also uh, a workshop with the kids of the community uh, we love that also because we invite the kids to to draw the story that we are talking about and then the illustrator or now the process we have is that illustrator make the make the art of the story but 
it has to be inspired by the by the drawings of the kids and and it's a form also to to bring all the community inside of the story inside of the project um well well then we make all the storyboards and animatic the all the the art with the illustrators the animation that can be from one person to four persons or it depends on the complexity of the of the short or of the story then the musician the the sound effects or engineer audio engineer and then make the master with all the com- the composite with all all the elements so more or less it's like three three months it's since investigation to final final render or final video, cut final yeah. cut and that's quite it's not uh there are a lot of people that had rituals that they wanted to be part of but the first thing that we have to resolve first always is how how we are going to solve the um, the cost of the project and in here i want to mention that i mentioned before these two institutions that have been very important for the project that is channel 11 and inali national institution of indigenous languages but also there are all there are also another institution that have helped us that are the um, national institute of, of indigenous people the rutaya maya coffee that is a uh, uh, coffee or, or a company in Austin, they're in Genesis. Also, the Salt Lake City Film Society have helped us also to back up two shorts or two stories. And last year, we run a Kickstarter uh, project. And thank you with the, of this Kickstarter, 240 persons, more or less, are were wanted to back the, the project and we are incredibly grateful with them and these backers are a Mexican production company that is called The Mix also Jorge Gutierrez that it's a film Mexican film director and we are, we are very grateful with all these people that are they are making a, or they make us be able to finish three three stories, three new stories. Um, one of Chiapas, one of Baja California, and one of Puebla. So it has been brought to my attention that there are two new vocabulary words that I have uh, recently learned thanks to this project and um, my dear husband, Gabrielle. Um, one of them is cosmogony, and the other one is Cosmovision or or Cosmovision. Um, so, Gabby, can you explain uh, the what those words mean? Sure. The cosmogony is about how how the world was created, how how was the origin of the world, and the Cosmovision or Cosmovision is how how they see the world, how they see the universe. And uh, sixty eight voices really is a window to to these two things how how these cultures see all that's around us and how they imagine the world was created 
And um, what would be an example from one of the from one of the shorts that you guys created that would kind of encompass these ideas? For example, the an example of cosmogony is the story, the series story that we made. It's about how a big turtle, it's called here Kawama, uh, how this big turtle goes down to the into the sea, into the ocean, because anyone can can go there no any fish no no one can go there so the, this big turtle only the kawama was the only one that can go so far and with the sand that this turtle uh grabbed in in its hand and not only the hands i sorry in the nail with the sand that it it's left in the nail with these sands and uh, became firm all the all the world all the earth and i think it's incredible how how it's it's an explanation of how how the world or how the earth started and uh, the sericulture is a it's a culture that is in the I, I'm sorry, I forgot the world in in, in La Orilla. No? They're in the border. They're in the at the at the edge of. They they are in the edge of. Uh, they're in the beach, no. So or in a, and in, and in an island also, and mm. Isla Tiburon. Uh, Tiburon uh, Shark Island. Shark, shark Island. Oh wow! <laughs> so yes, the number the name is incredible. So <laughs> there are a culture with. The, the water and the turtles are really important for them no so know how how important it's that for them it's incredible uh, through this story That's incredible. It also brings to mind um, the story of the origin of the Raramori and the Chabochi um, from Chihuahua. Um, and this story is uh, the Raramori say that originally the sun and the moon created the Tarahumara uh, not to be alone. And the jealous Lord of Darkness then created the white man, which um, I think being that this is Indigenous Peoples Day here in the States, like it's pretty uh, profound representation of what we've been talking about right now. Um, the idea that these stories um, embedded into them are the, the ideas of, of the ramifications of, of, of colonialization and, you know, the, the conquistadors, all of that, like it's. These are these stories are just so full in in content, um, historical content. You know, even though they're using these parables and these ideas of um, m magical mysticism as well. There's also something very important 
of all the conversation that we're having with Gabby, uh, especially being Dia de la Raza, and Amer uh, it's, it's, it's such a, this, this action of us finding Gabby and doing this recording opens the voice of the people that were silent through colonization. Uh, it opens the uh, the tiny little window of these boys being heard and their stories and the cosmovision and the cosmology of of their culture that they're so much complex than we can imagine and you know tiny little illustrations and amazing sound is just a tiny 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 part of it. Uh, so I think you're absolutely right on on you know the other one that we were talking about that we loved was you know the the one that we already talked a little bit death you know the, the how this was all together put in and language and 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 just the transgression that opens to the the new understanding of of the world for these people when you know when 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 you are able to explain the, the cosmovision of somebody through these animations i think is 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 such a valuable tool for us to be able to reach other people. I also wanted to mention one other short that maybe Gabby, you could talk to us a little bit about. Um, and this is the one called My Face Dies uh, from Puebla. Um, and the language is the uh, Tutunaku. I'm, I'm probably saying yeah. that terribly wrong. <laughs> How do you pronounce that? Tutunaku. It's such an incredibly beautiful, moving, emotional story um, to watch it unfold in the animation and then to also hear it being read. Uh, just to give people a synopsis, we'll play a little clip of it too. Um, it's a representation of the loss of the senses, these being ephemeral and our language being the legacy that will transmit to all the others what we were in this life. Nikoy kaltucho ko. Nikoy stako. Nikoy kilakasta po. Nikoy kimakanin. Ni kilakan. Ni kintakan. Ni kinkinkan. Ni kimustalek. really lovely and it's about it's from a contemporary author that is Manuel Espinosa Sainos. He's an incre incredible poet. And when I came to or I know I reached this poem, I, I love it. I love how how it describes with with a few words 
describes how how he and a lot of people can feel about this disappearing or this how they have to be strength enough so their language and their cultures and everything that they love don't disappear. So it was a poem that I, I really became in love with. And that's why I reached Manuel and tell him about the project. Um, so we we can use his poem to, to work with. And um, how is how's the poem connected to the language again? Uh, well, Manuel is Totonaco. And okay. um, he he's really an activist of his language. So, Gabby, with all of the stories that we've been talking about, um, you you pointed something out to us earlier off mic, which is this idea of uh, syncretismo. Can you explain to us um, how that relates uh, to a lot of these indigenous parables stories in these communities? Sure, it's it's very interesting how uh, a lot of the stories that you can know or you can learn about all these cultures and Mexico in general are are a f- fusion with the religion here. You know, the, the Catholic re- religion has been very important here in in Mexico, and you can find a lot of stories. And some of our of our stories here in Sixty Eight Voices has this fusion of beliefs. Uh, Syncretism means how different cultures make a fusion. And for example, some of our stories talk about the the diluvio. How you say <laughs> diluvio? Yeah. Uh, when you know when when the the land was full of water because yes. the rain and the the Noah the Noah's Ark. The flood, exactly. the great flood. The flood, exactly. The flood. Uh-huh. And so some of the stories talk about that. Uh, some of the stories talk about a specific, uh, for example, the Purepecha and some one of the stories that we are making right now talk about uh, specific religion characters. So it's, uh, I think that what I wanted to, to say is that, that, Mexico is incredibly rich because all what it's from uh, from us and everything that it's connected and everything that it's fusion. And I think that the important for me is that not, there are not things that they're not apart. No, they are not cultures apart or or we are not divided. No? Everything is so mixed. I think it's it's a really important point that like it is so mixed and 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 everything is influenced by the events that took place, you know, um, by by everything that happened um, within within this relatively short period of history that we're talking about and how how the stories they continue to transpire meaning that they continue to be passed down but only as long as the language is alive to be transmitted as well with also with that brim is also the the importance of you know we, we're talking and and i think we have said this in so many other ways in so many other uh episodes in hey hey agave that the story is written by the ones who won and i think it's something that i i, I like to specify a lot of times because 
this is another country. This is another like we people that might listen to this are going to be in the states most likely on in you know outside Mexico and understanding this concept of oh you're talking about these languages that they're, they're like they were quiet they were silent they were invisible they were almost kind of prohibited to or even ashamed to talk they were you know, prohibited you know t- t- Gabby's t- telling us you know the story of like no my child you know it might be somebody from deep in Oaxaca in Mexico City and they will not speak they will tell them speak in Spanish don't speak the, the, anything else right so this this part of 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 the revival of 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 taking back and 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 bringing it back to surface uh of 68 voices i think it has a little bit also kind of like the mezcal story that we have been seeing manifesting in front of us that you know it, it was it was a liquid that it was taken for like garbage and nobody wanted it and uh, how you're going to drink that and you're going to get blind like all these all the things that happens exactly with anything that comes with the richness of the cultural of Mexico that it was it was put down for many 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 generations I would say hundreds of years and now we are in a time that that wants to amplify that wants to revive that wants to to understand the deepness of that cultural heritage that we have uh, as language, as culture, as food, as sound, like everything is is so intertwining together that is is very fascinating to to see concepts and and projects like the one that Gabby has. And with that, I I want to make a correction about um, when we are when we were talking about this, these stories, and I told you about the the one with turtle. I told you that was a series story, but the correct word is kamkak. And I make this correction because we're used to name these languages with the Spanish. Though to definition of them, it's different. And for some of them, the Spanish word is it's um, insulting. How you say? It's not. It's not true to it. It's like it's, it's, it's yeah, somebody I, else naming it differently. Yeah, but also it's a bad word for them. You know? Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. So that's a, this is where translation can get um, can get you in a bit of of trouble, and also um, do an injustice to the language that you're trying to talk about. Yeah, the misuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for example, in the, the Spanish world was seri, but the the correct or auto definition is contact. Um, for example, another ones are uh, raramuri is correct. But the Spanish told them Tarahumara, and the Spanish is and Tarahumara is is a bad for them. No, it's a bad world for the, for them. So everything also has to move on to to talk about them about and give them how they how they call themselves and respect respect also that. And what you just said is really particularly interesting because um, when you're talking about this idea of the Ralamuli um, and then this this term that would be uh, a more Spanish colonialized term that Tarahumara, like how do you handle that? Because in the description, you're using both words because you're trying to communicate with with the, the Spanish speaking set of people as well. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and it's and it's uh, something we correct. Um, um, apenas. <laughs> they just, they, this is something I, that I, they just corrected. 
Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, it's something that I, I have learned in these years. Um, as I told you before, my, the project begins with a grant and was a very personal project. And my first approach was the Inali. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, the Inali called these languages in the Spanish way. But also in Ali, now it's also uh, changing that, but it's recent, it's very recent. And mm-hmm. I think like past year from 2019 to now, to now, and also we are, we are correcting this because I, we are, we have been learning more and talking more to all these communities and knowing how, how offensive it is for them know that they are not called uh, as they wanted to or it's like um for for some of them it's like said beginners to mexicans or it's it's very offensive some for some of them so it's a correction that we just made that's so fascinating very important to mention yeah, I think that it's extremely important to mention. And I also, um, I think it's encouraging for us to hear because, you know, as we are all developing and growing in our awareness, um, I think it's it's okay to say, well, we've made mistakes in the past and we're doing the work to change it and we're doing the work to educate ourselves to change it. So um, even as it could be as simple as attempting, you know, to pronounce a word that you've never tried to pronounce before, like, like give it a shot, give it your energy. Um, and, and also, you know, be willing to make the mistakes that go along with it because this is, this is evolution and this is how we learn. Yeah, exactly. Are you at all concerned that, um, like the, the 27 or so, um, languages that you have yet to produce into these animated stories, um, that there won't be any more native native speakers for any of them? Like, is that, is that a concern for you guys? Yes, yes, it's it's a really important concern for us, uh, because it's it's uh, very very real that it it can happen um, in a few years. There are so many languages that have maybe ten speakers or all, maybe a little more, but not not of them or, or not all of them are active or wanted to make something. And the ones that they wanted are elders, mm-hmm. and so it's it's really important to to help them, you know, to make. I think I I don't know if the the it's the better world worth to say help them, but um we are I think we are not giving them a voice, but we are as you said. Uh, helping to amplify their their voice or put them a microphone so more people can can reach can reach this or more people can know more about them and just it's, it's very important that we can reach some of these 27 languages that are in really danger of disappearing yeah and i think that's the perfect moment for us to say um all of you listening, if you're interested in contributing to um, 68 Voices, 68 Hearts, we have a couple different ways that you're going to be able to do it. Um, 
through Hey Hey Agave, through Tuyo. Um, and so one of them is that we are going to have a direct um, donate button on Hey Hey Agave. And we're also really excited to announce that um, we've got three new apparel items coming out that are going to have um, Nahuatl specific uh, words and imagery on it from the Aztec calendar. And so proceeds from those sales are also going to be contributing to 68 Voices, 68 Hearts. And I'm really excited to launch this project. Um, and I will go into more detail later. So if you all are on the email list, please sign up. Um, because we are going to have in our stories section of the website, we're going to have a, a really nice long article that encompasses all of these ideas that we've been talking about today and how you can take action to help out. And so there will be a direct donate button on that page as well. Um, and obviously, all of the associated links to 68 Voices, 68 Hearts, to Ola Combo, to everything that we've been talking about, including some amazing um, indigenous language resources for our friends in New York City as well. So there's going to be a lot of content coming out, um, and you can stay connected with Gabby and her project as well um, that way. So I just wanted to throw all that out there. Hey guys, there's a lot of possibilities to sponsor full episodes, uh, full animations. Don't be shy. Just this is something that needs a lot of help and a lot of support. Uh, so yes, through us, yes, through the button, but also if you have better, bigger, more strong means, uh, I think this is the right, right place to put them. That's interesting. And I'm really happy you said that um, because uh, Gabby, do you guys have like a baseline number, like a rough estimate of like what you, what you goal for each, like the amount of money you hope to raise for each episode? Yes, more or less it's seven thousand dollars each episode, each story. Um, so as you say, everyone can be part. Um, everything is. We are grateful with any donation. We are really grateful with all all that want to be part of these sixty eight voices. Uh, but also, as you said, if someone has a, a little more, as seven thousand dollars, <laughs> they can be also a co-producer of the project. I'm telling you guys, like I see the metrics on our podcast of like how many downloads or streams or whatever, like we can definitely sponsor one episode together if we just put a couple dollars down. So um, I hope you all consider it. Um, and I just I want to thank you, uh, Gabby, so much for sharing your story today of 68 Voices, 68 Hearts. Um, it's been a really wonderful conversation. So thank you so, so much. Thank you so much to you guys for your interest and everything was wonderful to to talk with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much you guys and we will talk to you soon. Salucita. Salucita. <laughs> hey Hey Agave is a production of Tuyo NYC. Brittany Prater is our editor. Your hosts are Gabrielle Velasquez Zazueta and me, Sabrina Lassard. Our music is by Milagro Verde. Find them on Instagram at Milagro underscore Verde BK. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Salicita.